1029 The Hog presents another Bob and Brian podcast. Some get stressed out preparing for guests over the holidays. Not Marcus Theaters. They can't wait to welcome you back to Marcus Theaters. Get tickets now to see Eternals and Clifford the Big Red Dog at MarcusTheaters.com. Time to talk music news with our music expert, Gary Graff. Good morning, Gary. How are you? All right. How are you guys? We're good. Excellent. How was your Thanksgiving? Quiet. Quiet. You know, too much food and football. I mean, how does it get better than that? Too much food and too much football. I didn't say too much football. Oh, oh, too much food, food. comma, Comma and and football. football. Okay. A little bit of music in there. What did you overload on food-wise? Uh, you know, so turkey, pie, all the okay, you know, so all the good stuff. Traditional, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. And then the Lions lost to again tradition, <laughs> traditional. I I was sure they were going to win that game. I was sure of it. Your 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 optimism is is appreciated, admired, but but vastly misplaced. <laughs> they got to win sooner or later. They can't. Lose every game. Who I says? Just, uh, the odds. Just the odds. Okay, the yeah. odds say that, but there's not a rule, right? No. There, says, there is no There is no rule. There's no nor, rule. Nor is, nor is there likelihood. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to music news. Um, before we get into the this stuff, did you watch the, the whole Disney thing, the Beatles thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they provided that to us uh, a couple days in advance. So, and that's, you know, it's it's been great to see all the traffic about that, all the commentary. I mean, I think people are really are really getting into it. And while there's some criticism about its length, which I think is fair, uh, it, it was amazing. It was it was even better than I expected. And you're a big Beatles fan, right? I am. You're I a am. music guy. You, you enjoyed that, seeing all the back and forth and all that yeah. went with it. I, there, Gary, I was never more bored in my life. I, you know, and I think that's valid. I mean, either you're into, and much like the Let It Be movie, you're into this or you're not. And, you know, even saying, okay, but this is your intellectual peas and carrots, it's good for you, isn't going to tell somebody that they're watching eight-plus hours of this is, you know, it's not going to make them enjoy that. But but I, I thought it was just fascinating. I thought it was just packed with revelations about the Beatles and that that specific album and as well as albums that came after it and the personalities and just watching watching these guys interact with each other and that that tremendously British ability to be saying F you in one minute and then and then talking about T thirty seconds later. I thought it was kind of fun to see Alan Parsons loading up tapes on the reel to reel. Yeah, it was funny. I had talked to him a couple of weeks before it aired and he said, Oh yeah, you know, Peter Jackson promised me I'd be I'd be seen more in this than he wasn't let it be. Um, but yeah, you know, that was Alan Parsons in there. I mean, you know, there were you know, even you got to see especially if you're a Beatles fan, you got to see so much of the supporting cast that you haven't in the past, like Mal Evans who was there you know, he was he was one of the fifth Beatles, you know, and George Martin was was in there and Neil Aspinall from Apple Records and just so many behind the scenes people that you you heard about. And then yeah, and then to see Billy Preston, you know, come in and in a lot of ways save the day because the Beatles behave nice for company. And so they stopped bitching at each other and, and got serious about making music. And then just to see the creative process, I mean, you just think back to that scene where 
where they write get back the song. I was going to ask if they, to George. <laughs> if they showed the birth of any lyric or riff or absolutely oh, they they oh, yeah oh tons of there's one nice scene in part one where I think it was John talking to Michael Lindsay Hogg the director or maybe it was George but anyway there was this discussion going on and Paul's in the background starting to write Let It Be the song you hear him playing the chords yeah and you could see you can see him thinking about it. I mean, if anybody, you know, if anybody is skittish about jumping into this thing, I'd tell them go right to episode three, which has the the rooftop concert and really the greatest variety. I love the two okay. cops that were sent to shut it down. Those are so great. They're, One of the guys they're is standing out there. there like, what? This is the what do we do? It's the Beatles. We're going to tell them stop. Hmm. Yeah, and and they did. Um, but not the, until they got a sergeant there. Right. <laughs> right. So, you Those... know, it, it was all handled well, and that was uh, that's such a great moment. You know, I mean, that, that whole episode of the rooftop concert and doing it that way. They said something that I thought for years, that rooftop, rooftop concert took place in January in London on top of the building. Uh-huh. It looked windy, right? It was cold. It was cold. Yeah. And they said something finally that I thought, yes, I thought that for years. Was it John or Paul who said, my hands are so cold, I can't get the right chords? It was either John or George. Okay. Might have been George. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I thought, how do you play your instrument? It's, it had to be that damp London cold when oh, yeah. you know, the joints feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they, they pushed through it. I mean, listen, they, they had had, what, three year, three plus years of rest, you know, from playing on the road. You know, you can, you can put it together for 40-odd minutes. Uh, that was maybe the only thing I was disappointed in was all the intel before this came out said that he was going to show the entire rooftop concert front to back, and he didn't. And I thought that would have been fun to look. Yeah, you know, when you're working through five versions of the same song, maybe maybe that gets on you a little bit. But they I, played I think get that, back. They showed get back a couple of times. Yeah, they showed a couple different versions of that, a couple different versions of uh, you know a couple of the other songs. But you know that part. So that if anybody just wanted to dabble in this thing, I would definitely say you know go to go go straight to episode three. All right, let's let's go to sick bay here. Um, we got Carlos Santana. Yeah, that was a surprise. So he's canceled all his uh, December dates. Yeah, you know, his residency in Las Vegas, and and posted a statement saying that he had an unexpected heart procedure. Uh, so he had to he had to bail out of performing, and I guess he he was suffering some chest pain. So his wife took him to the hospital, and they said, "Well, we need to do this procedure." Did not say what it was, but so he's he's on the mend. That's an acceptable excuse. Well, I had some heart stuff done. I I think so. Told me I have to stay home for a day or two. I, I think so. Brian Adams has had COVID twice. Twice, yeah. So you know he had to bail out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, paying tribute to. Tina Turner, because he uh, he contracted COVID uh, a couple days before. Uh, last week, he had to bail out of the unveil of the Pirelli uh, catalog, which is a big annual calendar. Sorry, which is a big annual event in the in the auto world, and he had done all the photography for it because he tested positive for COVID again. So I don't know what he's doing that he's getting these kind of exposures, but they, he did. He posted a photo of himself. Sitting, you know, sitting in an ambulance waiting to be taken to the hospital, but I don't think he. It was a serious hospitalization. Okay. But but it's still it is yeah twice within a month you know and having having to to bail out of some very high profile events. I, mean, I think somebody maybe maybe needs to stay home a little. 
Yeah, or that someone's coughing in his soup or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know what he's if he's been working in the studio or something where he's he's being exposed or just not being, you know, not taking the right precautions when he is out and about. He's he's not talking about it. All I want for but, Christmas is hand sanitizer. If you're Brian Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But obviously, we wish him. What, he's got an album coming out next year. If and, I'm uh, planning on going to see Adele in Las Vegas during her residency that she's doing there at Caesars, right? Right. I saw a story that said if you're just uh, planning on buying them, uh-huh. good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, between insiders, high rollers, regulars, you know, that whole world, a lot of these tickets are, are being gobbled up right away. This is one of those things where it's almost like, you know, if you're going to Vegas that week or you or you want to take a flyer, go and find something on the secondary markets because some of these tickets are going to pop back up. But yeah, she's going to be in Vegas instead of she said. We talked about it last week. She told um, John Mayer on his on his radio show that she wasn't going to tour, and no, she's not going to tour. But she is going to be uh, at the Coliseum in Caesars from January and into April, playing Friday and Saturday nights. Who else has a big residency going in Vegas now? Who's the competition? There are well, you know, Sting's out there off and on. Santana's out there off and on. I don't think there's a at the moment. There, she's filling the uh, Celine Dion, Elton John role here of somebody who's just sitting down in Vegas for a long time. And I, I think she, I don't know of anybody else that's doing that Carrie Underwood at the moment. She's she's doing a bunch of dates. She's doing a longer than the, you know, like Sting's dropping in for a couple weeks at a time. You know, same thing with Rod Stewart and people like that. Carrie Underwood's there, I think, for a longer stretch of time. But it's not this kind of multi-month deal. Okay. Now I know you're. I know you're a sports fan, and I know that you know that Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU for ninety-five million dollars, right? Yep. And he gets all of that ninety-five million dollars. Plus, I heard he said I want incentives too. So sure. it wasn't just ninety-five million. It was because that's uh, not enough incentives. Right. 90, ninety-five million <laughs> plus. I'd work well. harder if I were paid. You know, ninety-five million dollars. And. and get this. Motley Crue has to divide $95 million that they got for their catalog between the four of them. Actually, $150 million. Oh, they get okay. a little bit more. That's, right. the, that's the estimate. So, yeah, Motley Crue uh, made a big deal with, with BMG, and this, you know, this gives them the, you know, the rights to Motley Crue's music, their catalog. You know, this is yet another in a series of bands and artists who are, you know, as, as I like to phrase it, they're taking the the one-time payout rather than the annuity. And, you know, they, I think they feel that, you know, assuming that this tour they're doing next summer really will be the last, which we probably shouldn't assume, but, you know, this is their time to cash in. And this is, you know, this is a time to maximize uh, what they can get from their catalog and, you know, and then put put that money into whatever future use they want to do with it. I have a feeling that, it's going to be like baseball salaries. In three years, you're going to go, can you believe Motley Crue sold their catalog for $150 million? So-and-so just sold theirs for $250 million. It may, it may be. I mean, they, you know, definitely, certainly the investment world is looking at music catalogs as a, you know, as a bull market right now. And, they, you know, they think there's a, there's a real value in owning these catalogs. And as long as that, 
that maintains you you will see these prices go up i mean you know we have you know the dillons and the springsteens and they you know we know everybody who's been selling their catalogs and, and selling their rights it says here on the sheet that roger daltrey and uh, pete townsend haven't talked in two years now my guess, is, my guess they, is this isn't the first time they've gone two years no and that's what daltrey said he did an interview in in britain uh, this week, and you know, they was talking about, it and said, "Yeah, yeah, you know what? We really don't see each other. We don't have that kind of relationship." You know, he said, "I haven't seen him, meaning Townsend, for two years. Do I miss seeing him? No, I know what he looks like." <laughs> is there a is there a problem or no? No, this is they are creative partners. They are not BFFs. He's okay. you know, and and right, you know, Daltrey goes on to say, and he's he's I've talked about the about this with him. In the past, before he he acknowledges we are very close. There is a real loving relationship there, but it is as creative partners. We're not going to go down to the pub together and knock back a few, or we're not going to have each other over for dinner. That's just not the way they relate to each other. They are, you know, they are creative partners. How long do you think okay. Rogers and Hammerstein went in between visits at their their longest peak? Maybe ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but those guys those guys were act actively co-writers. Where you know. Roger Daltrey is the singer of Pete Townsend's songs. So, you know, they're supposed to see each other come spring. They're going to be back on the road. By the way, the, so today, is, today marks uh, the 42nd anniversary of Cincinnati. Oh, boy. Where 11 fans were killed in a, uh, in a stampede going into the Who show there. Tomorrow, on, on December 4th, 5, 5.30, the Who is in tribute to the, the Cincinnati 11. Uh, the Who's going to be streaming a legendary 1973 show from the Netherlands. I'm not entirely sure what what one has to do with the other, but this is this is a fundraiser for a charity that was established in the wake of the uh, of the Cincinnati death, the PEM Memorial, and that's that's going to be available online to stream. So you can go to the thewho.com to you know to get to be sent to it. But you know, a chance to see some really good vintage who, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe do some, do something good and help something good that came out of the tragedy. All right, along that vein, why are families turning down money from Travis Scott to pay for uh, mostly because they're mostly because they're suing him, and you know, there's a sense that to take any sort of support or anything could muck that up a little bit. So yeah, so it started with the you know the family of the. Of the nine-year-old girl Ezra Blount, who was, uh, you know, who was who was killed, and then they were the first one to come out and say, you know, no, thank you. And then a bunch of the, at least five of the other families, um, you know, have done, and I think I think more are planning to. And yeah, it is just, you know, like I say, to not knock up the works, you know, if they if they do take any sort of support from Travis Scott. Then you have to go into court, and it certainly lets his legal team open up that line of questioning, like, oh, you know, weren't you compensated already? Okay, because that could be seen as a settlement or... Right, right, and there's a pride thing. I'm sure there's a bit of a pride thing, too. You know, no, you you did this very bad thing. We don't want your money. We want your money. All right. (laughs) You know. Where do you want to finish up? Uh, yeah, we might want to make note of the passing of one Richard Cole, who uh, rock fans will know as the longtime uh, road manager for Led Zeppelin. Uh, he was the main source for the, you know, for the first uh, major uh, Led Zeppelin biography, Stairway to Heaven. Led Zeppelin, 
um, I'm sorry, his, the Hammer of the Gods was the first of the big Led Zeppelin biographies, and Richard Cole was the main source of that. He went on to write his own book, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin Uncensored, that really ticked off the guys in the band because it was very explicit, and they said exaggerated. But they, they eventually, you know, kind of kissed and made up. Uh, but he was the guy, he was responsible for a lot of the Led Zeppelin legend. He was the big thug. You know, he was the yeah. guy who he did everything from arranging the girls to beating up the promoters. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't mean that metaphorically. That is quite a skill set he's got wow. there. Yes, he did. No, yes, no, he no. did. So he, he was seventy-five. Yeah. yeah, he right. was seventy-five. He'd been sick for a long time. You know, the band members have posted tributes uh, to him online, and uh, he was one of the great rock and roll characters. All right, Gary. Happy uh, Hanukkah. Thank you. You got thank about you. a three-day break between Thanksgiving and the. First night of we, the yeah uh, that, was, that came up uh, you know that came up real quick that and was as we quick. say crazy so we got you know we got three more nights and uh, we're gonna enjoy them all right all right and, all then, right. and then we'll get in and then we'll get into uh, enjoying the rest of the holidays all right Gary awesome talk, Thanks, we'll Gary. talk to you next week all right Gary Graff our music expert.